to pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. We need you right now, God. We need you right now, God. Lord, we need you to help us right now to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. We need you to help us to lay aside every care, Lord Jesus, every concern, everything that we have carried with us through this day that this world has put upon us, upon our mind, upon our spirit. Lord, we need to lay down everything, O God. Lord Jesus, allow your people to have the opportunity to receive impartation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and revelation, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, hallelujah. Lord, we bind every spirit. We bind every demonic spirit, Lord. We bind every human spirit, Lord Jesus. We bind everything, oh, God, that is not like you right now, Lord. And we loose, Lord, that we pray your angels would be loosed in this place to minister, Lord, and among your people today. Oh, God, we need, oh, God, we need you, God. We need you, God, more than ever right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us to lay aside every preconceived idea, Lord. Help us to lay aside everything, every opinion, O God. Hallelujah. Lord, and let us receive, O God, from your Spirit tonight, Lord Jesus. Let us receive what you have to speak to us tonight with an open heart and a willing mind, O God. Oh, God, give us a fertile ground to receive, O God, what you have in this place tonight for your people, Lord Jesus. These are your people, Father. They are the sheep of your pasture, Lord Jesus. Your sheep know your voice, O God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, everything in this place, Lord, let it be subject unto you tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus. Can we just clap our hands and love the Lord right now? Jesus' name, Jesus' name. We love you, God. We love you, God. Come and inhabit the praises of your people. Come and inhabit the praises of your people. Oh, God, come and inhabit the... Lord, come among us, O God. Come down and see what we're doing, Lord Jesus. Oh, come in the midst of us, God. And minister, Lord Jesus, to us and through us, O God. By your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, Lord, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not everybody. Everybody say in Jesus' name. That sounded more like everybody. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's all right, Bob. Praise God. John chapter 5, verse 19. I'm going to read verse 19 through 30, then a couple of other shorter scriptures, and then we'll get going here. John chapter 5, verse 19 through 30. And you're hearing tonight. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. When Jesus says, Verily, verily, that means it's important. Is that right? Everybody agrees with that. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Whatever the Father does or tells him to do, that's what he's doing. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works, everybody say greater works, than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but he committeth, committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father." He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead 
shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall hear all, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given unto him given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. And they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Wow, there's going to be a resurrection of damnation. Wow. Go back and study that on your own. I can of myself, my own self, or my own will, do nothing, Jesus speaking. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Why is his judgment just? Because I see not mine, seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Matthew seven, twenty one to twenty three. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say in, to me in, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many more wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And finally, Matthew 4.23 says this, and Jesus went unto about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. Everybody say, the gospel of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. So tonight we're going to talk about this subject, his kingdom, his will. Notice that there's a big circle with a slash through it over my, and the word inserted his is there instead. That's important. Amen. You know, I think, this is Vince's opinion, that sometimes we maybe even have become desensitized in some ways to the fact that there is a kingdom, and it's God's. It's not our kingdom. It's His kingdom. And there is a perfect will, and it's God's, and it's not ours. He did give us a will, right? Isn't that right, Pastor? He gave us a free will. He made us free moral agents, didn't he? But as we go on living in our Pentecostal way and, and, and following after the Lord, and I just feel like sometimes we may get a little comfortable, and we may get a little... Um, I don't know what the word is, but maybe desensitized is the word. We start taking the will of God and the kingdom of God for granted because God allows us to have our will. And we can, I believe that we can actually start kind of crossing over and confusing what the will of God is with what our will is. And I know that this, this happens all over the world and it happens in churches all over the place that we start confusing his kingdom with what we think is our kingdom. There's lots of men out there that have built their own kingdom and called it God's kingdom. So it's important for us. These things may seem a little bit elementary to you, but it's, it's actually vitally important that we understand whose kingdom it is that we're serving in and whose will it is that we're supposed to be following. All right? I'm not looking for an amen. So if you want to say amen, you can. But that's not what I'm looking for. So this scripture that we read in Matthew 4.23 is best that I can determine based on my search of scripture is the first time that the word kingdom is mentioned in the New Testament. And who's it mentioned by? Jesus. We won't get into it, but there's a... There's a study called the Law of First Mentioned. And 
Basically, what that says is the first time something is mentioned in Scripture, it's important not only that it was mentioned, but who it was mentioned by and the audience that it was spoken to. That's as far as we'll go with that. Amen. And so this, he, he brings this up. He talks about the gospel of the kingdom right after he comes out of, he leaves that carpenter shop for the very last time and he locks the door because his dad's already passed away and he's, he's walking away from the carpenter shop. He's not going to make any more furniture and he walks straight over to where John the Baptist is in the water. And you all know the story. He goes in the water and he says, it's time for you to baptize me, John. John tries to get out of it and he said, no, it's the will of God. You have to do this. Already. Jesus has already given us a word picture, an example, because we're supposed to follow his example, right? So he's already out there saying, it's the will of God, John, just do it. John does it. And Jesus goes where? Straight into the wilderness, 40 days, to be tempted of the devil. Was that the will of God? For him to be tempted of the devil? Absolutely it was. He had to go through that. Why? (laughs) Because he was showing us something. We have to go through that. And we're going to go through that until we die. He's never going to ever stop trying to tempt you. And it's different for everybody. Your temptation is something that I couldn't be tempted with. I've gotten deliverance and victory over that. But there's stuff in our lives that the enemy is not going to stop coming after us over because he's trying to make us a trophy of hell. I gotta get you that. I gotta get you that message so you can hear that. He's trying to get us on his trophy case. If you're a deer hunter, he's trying to get you up on the wall. He's trying to get you. He's trying to catch that big bass out there in the, in the Mississippi River when the guys come here for the bass fishing tournaments. He's trying to get that tournament fish. That's you. And he is not going to stop until Jesus comes. And if Job is any indication. I don't know if this, (laughs) I guess you could say this, God's in on it, right? Because Satan went right up there to God and said, hey, what about that guy Job down there? Well, what about him? Yeah, you keep putting that fence around him. You keep, keep putting that hedge around him. I can't touch him. He said, okay, fine. Go ahead. Touch him. Job went through some stuff. I've heard a story of of one preacher that I know of that had one boil on his knee. And he described in pretty minute detail what he went through to get that one boil off his knee. They had to dig that thing out of his knee after they cut it. And I couldn't imagine after after he said that, I thought, man, can you imagine being covered in that? And there's no doctor there to get it out of there. You're just stuck that way. And you lost all your kids, and a, and a tornado came and took all your stuff. You're, you're, you have nothing, and your own wife's telling you to curse God and die. Well, that would never happen to any of us, would it? Your own wife would never tell you to curse God and die. <laughs> I know of testimonies where that's actually happened in modern day. Where a wife has said to a husband and a preacher, it's either me or it's that thing that you're doing. But it ain't going to be both. So don't tell me that don't happen. It happens. Because the enemy's he's a liar. And he gets people to believe in stuff. And you, you hear a temptation in your mind and the devil's talking to you. And you're listening to that. And he's trying to get you. To take ownership of that. Sticking that temptation out there. And you're going, nah. All he, it's his idea. Right up to the point where you go, you know what? I'm going to try that. As soon as you did that, you took ownership of it. It's yours now. You've been tempted. You gave in. That's all he's trying to do is get you to take ownership. 
So, Jesus left that wilderness time that he went through, that temptation. How did he leave there? In the power of the Spirit. He left there with power and authority. Because the devil didn't have any idea who he was dealing with. And he put him in his place. And we have that same power dwelling in us right now. We have that same power dwelling in us right now. You don't have to call the pastor. If the enemy is coming against you and fighting against you and and you feel like you're being attacked on every side, you just need to turn around and tell that devil to get out of your face. You need to tell him things like, hey, I've already been delivered of that devil. Go away. Has God delivered you all from anybody in here from anything? There's something in your life that got, that the enemy just not, doesn't, he just nonstop, maybe it might not be every day, but it's on a regular basis, he keeps coming around to the same thing all the time. Just keep reminding him, I've already been delivered. And you're a liar, just tell him, just tell him straight up. <clears throat> Kingdom. In the Greek, that word is basilia, best I can figure out how to pronounce it. It means a royal domain, something like a king's dominion, right? That's where we get the word kingdom, king's dominion. It's his dominion. Jesus has all power, all authority, all dominion over everything. He, he just said so. Everything he does is the Father's given him to do it, and he gave him the power to judge. We just read that. It's not a natural human kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. The likes of which no one has ever experienced up to this point. We've come the closest of anybody by having Jesus dwelling on the inside of us. But before us, I believe it was the Israelites when God chose them to be his people. When he put that tabernacle in the midst of his people. That was, the, that was the manifestation, the most powerful manifestation of the kingdom of God there ever was in that day. When you got a cloud following you around by day and a pillar of fire by night, and when you got a God that's doing stuff that he's doing in the wilderness like that, that's as close as they ever got to the kingdom. Amen? John 18:36. Jesus answering Pilate said this. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate was trying to get down to the bottom of, Who, who are you the king over? Are you a king? And at one point Jesus said, That's what you say, Pilate. You're the one calling me a king. When he said there, my kingdom is not of this world, that word world is the word in the Greek, cosmos. You know that word, right? Cosmos is probably how you pronounce it in the Greek. It's the universe. It's the heaven and the earth. It's everything. The clouds, the wind, the planets, the stars, everything. Everything as far as you can see. Everything. So we're establishing here that there's a kingdom that we're a part of, and it's not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. And it's not of this world. Amen? Matthew 26, 36 through 39. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy, then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, this is, this is the man, this is the flesh, okay? If it be possible, this is the same guy <laughs> who was, who's telling everybody, going to be okay. 
He's, he's running around telling everybody the, the Son of Man is going to have to be crucified. And he's telling his disciples all this stuff. And here he is. Moment of truth is coming upon him. And in his flesh he said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Not my will, but your will. How many times have we have we said those words, let this cup pass from me? Lord, don't make me have to go through this. Lord, why am I having to go through this? Job probably said that. Why am I having to go through this? Joseph probably said that. Lord, why am I having to go through this? Why did you give me those dreams anyway? All they've done is get me in trouble. No answer right away. Esther, why am I here? Why am I in this place? Why am I in this why am I at this point in time and place? And what was the answer she got back from her uncle? How do you know that you're not here right now on this very point, on this timeline for such a time as this, right now? We are right where we're supposed to be. We are exactly pinpoint blank right where we're supposed to be. From a standpoint of time, we are supposed to be here on this earth in 2023. The question is, what are we supposed to be doing at this point in time in 2023 versus what are we doing? Right? It's his kingdom. He's the king of the kingdom. As the king, he has full power and authority to exercise and assert his will upon all those who would be his royal subjects. That'd be us. The subjects might feel to question the king's will. Nobody's ever felt like that, have they? I don't know. I question that pastor. I don't know why he's doing that. Nobody's ever questioned a pastor in all these decades and eons of serving God since the church began, right? You can even go back to the Old Testament. Moses' own sister questioned him. Slightly rebelled against him. What happened to her? <laughs> He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> we got to be careful, folks. We got to be careful. Usurping his will with our will. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, as his subjects, we must submit to and accomplish the king's will. Whatever that is. He doesn't rule over his subjects with an iron fist, but with a heart of love. And to those subjects that truly love him, they are willing and desires to do anything to please their king. Are we willing to do anything he asks us to do? Be careful how you answer that. Because he's listening right now. Are you willing, if God woke you up tomorrow morning and told you something that was way out there in left field, would you start fighting against it? Because it doesn't make sense to you. Because that's not what he told you yesterday. Luke 11, 1 and 2. Luke 11, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. I I said that when I first got in church. I asked somebody, how do you pray? You know what they said? Come on, let's go down to the prayer room. We'll figure it out. That's how I learned to pray. You just come down here and you start talking to the Lord. It's a relationship. You just start talking to the Lord and listen to what else is going on here and, and you'll figure it out. And they went down and laid down on the, and they knelt down at that couch and they started praying. They just left me standing there. <laughs> but guess what happened? 
I figured it out. The Lord started teaching me how to pray. They knew that when they said that, that that would happen. Probably because they went through the same thing. You think? Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Glorify his name, right? Start off, right off the bat, glorifying his name. Thy kingdom come. Jesus teaching us how to pray, right? Thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. Why is that important? Why is that important right there? As in heaven, so in earth. Why is that important? We already talked. We already established that it's his kingdom. It's his will. Why does he say it that way? Because his will is already done in heaven. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the ending and everything in between. So in God's economy, in God's mind, His will has already been accomplished. He's not waiting for us to accomplish it. He, In His mind, it's already done. So that's what He told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As, in, as it's already done in heaven, so make it to be so on earth. How's His kingdom come? To this earth. How does that happen? Is it magic? How does his kingdom come to this earth? He's the head, right? We're the body. What runs everything in your body? This thing right here between your ears, your brain. Wonderful piece of just amazing creation that God put this computer between our brains. You're not even thinking about it right now. It's telling your heart to beat. It's telling you to breathe. It's telling you to sit up. It's telling you to shake your head yes or no or whatever. It's, it's talking to you in, in the back of your mind while you're sitting there. And, you, you know, your brain is amazing. And it controls your body. And if you stump your toe, it feels pain and it sends pain throughout your body and it sends Maybe words to your mouth. <laughs> like, ouch. Man, uh, I hate when that happens. That's going to be, oh, that's going to hurt. That's going to be bloody. Oh, my goodness. Right? So if Jesus is the head and we're the body, then his expectation of us is as his servants, as his, as his royal subjects, that his kingdom is going to be accomplished on this earth through us. Does that make sense to everybody? So His kingdom come and His will be done through us. So it's really important for us to understand the concept of His kingdom and the concept of His will then, isn't it? Here's here's revelation for you. His will is above our will. Right? It is above our will. Period. There's no maybe. There's no no fudging around that. His will is above our will. End of story. If we have any success in this life, it's not because of our will. We might lie to ourselves and fool ourselves or listen to somebody else and believe that that's true. But it's not. Any real success you have, especially in this way that we live in, is only going to happen by you performing and, and adopting and taking upon yourself the perfect will of God. Whatever that is, whether we like it or not. I heard somebody one time say something about the permissive will of God. I don't believe that. If it's the permissive will of God, it's not the will of God, is it? He's permitting you to have your way and your will 
And that's not the will of God. So I don't know where that stuff came from. There's only one will of God. That's it. Either you're doing it or you're not. That's, that's up to you to decide between you and God. We have weaknesses and infirmities. That no matter how hard we work and how hard we pray and how much we try harder, we will never be able to overcome those things. Why is that? Why does He allow those weaknesses in our life and He doesn't let us improve on them? Why is that? We could go on and on and on in the just in the epistles alone about all the disciples and all the things that they dealt with, the weaknesses and fears and failures and all the things that they went through. He allows those things, those weaknesses and frailties to be in our lives so that we never forget that we need Him to be saved. We can't do this without Him. John 15, Except you abide in me and my word abides in you, You can do nothing. You can't accomplish a thing unless His Word, His Rhema, His Logos, abides in you and you abide in Him. When you're abiding in Him and His Word's abiding in you, there's nothing in between that. Your will is not coming into play. You you have crucified that will. You have laid it aside and said, just like Jesus said, Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And that wasn't an easy thing to say that about, was it? He was fixing to get beaten beyond all recognition and hung on a cross and laughed at and mocked and all the things that he went through for you. And we, we want to fudge and we want to go around and grumble and complain within ourselves and maybe outwardly about the will of God in our life. How dare we? How dare we? And we need Him every single day. Every minute of every day. I can't breathe on my own. I can't live on my own. When I take that dog out in the morning, this is what I'm talking. I'm saying to God in the darkness with the moon shining down, it's in you I live and move and have I being, God. If I'm standing here walking this dog, it's because you let me wake up. You let me go outside. It might be raining, it might be snowing, but God bless him. He let me be here today. I, I was sleeping all night. I didn't have to, I, I wasn't thinking about, I need to breathe. Oh, my, my heart needs to beat. None of that. He was taking care of all of that for me. He let me wake up with a clear conscience, clothed and in my right mind. He allowed that. We take those things for granted. And we shouldn't. If He's keeping you alive, He's got you here for a reason. And it's not for you to usurp His will by having your will. And doing things your way. But you know what? He lets you do that. He's not going to force you to love Him. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. What infirmities is he talking about? For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. He just answered his own question. We don't know how to pray for what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. As hard as we try, as spiritual as we want to think we are, we just don't know really sometimes what to pray for or how to pray for it. And I say that out loud. God, I don't know what you want me to pray for. I got a list I could bring to you, but what do you want me to pray for, God? Who do you want me to pray for today? What's your agenda? How about I get behind you instead of me going into my day and saying, come on, God, let's go. Instead of saying, the Lord be with me today, (laughs) that's implying that I'm in front and he's behind. How about, Lord, I'm going to walk with you today. You order my steps. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to say. You tell me what not to say. 
You give me the sensitivity in the Spirit to know when you're prompting me to do something. I was listening to a guy give a testimony. He's a pastor out in Washington, and he was talking about he's a, he's a Lyft driver, L-Y-F-T, Lyft cab driver, pastor. He does this. He gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and he, he goes out, and he, he just starts praying as he's driving, and he's, his little thing that he's got there, it pops up a picture, and he, somebody at 4 o'clock in the morning needs a ride to the airport, so he takes the ride and goes and gets them. Immediately, as soon as he gets a name and a face, he starts praying for that person, praying, God, you, you want to save this person. He just prays, 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 right? So he was talking about his wife and he were traveling to church one Sunday morning. And so he said, all of a sudden, this thought came over him. I've got to stop at this taco place and get a beef taco. So he tells his wife that. She says, no, we've got to get to church. I've got stuff I've got to do. So they drive a little further and they get up to the light where... It's right to the taco place, left of the church, and he turns right. She says, what are you doing? He said, I don't know, but I just feel like i got to go get a taco. So he pulls into the, like a Taco John's or something. Pulls in there, and they both walk in, and he walks up to the counter. And he says to the lady at the counter, and his wife's sitting over there, I want a one beef taco. He said this other lady sitting at another table said, what did you just say? And walked over to him. He said, I just ordered a beef taco. He said, when you, she said to him, when you spoke, I felt the Holy Ghost. Who are you people? She was a backslider from Randy Key's church all the way up in Washington. So tell me that God doesn't, whew, tell me, whew, hallelujah. Tell me God doesn't tell you to do silly stuff like go get a taco on the way to church. Now, what if he hadn't listened to that? What if he had just wrote that off as like, God's not going to tell me to go get a taco? Are you serious? Really? He would have missed out on that opportunity to minister to that lady and find that backslider and get her back in church. Because we think it's got to be something spiritual. We do, right? Something simple like go get a taco. The other day, shortly after that, my wife and I were going, we went to vote last week. The Supreme Court guy that didn't get voted in. Oh, hallelujah. God's in, God's in control. He knows who's in there. He knows, he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows who's in there. Don't worry about it. So we're, we're sitting there going, okay, what are we going to eat for dinner? Oh, she said, let's go home. I said, you know, I really feel like we need to go to the family restaurant. Okay. So we go to the family restaurant, we walk in, sit down. And like a year ago, we were at Rudy's up there in Sparta, and we were just up there with the dog. And this guy and his wife and family were in this old broken-down suburban, and he just walked over and said hello to me and just started talking to me. His name's Jim. Well, we're sitting there in the family restaurant. There sits Jim and his family. There they are. My wife says, isn't that that guy from... I said, yeah, I think his name is Jim. So when we got done eating, we walked over there and said, it's Jim, right? So we ended up exchanging phone numbers, and we're going to get together and, and do all kinds. You know, so when, I, when that happened, I went, well, that don't beat all, does it? What if I wouldn't have listened to that? What if I would have said, nah, let's just go? We'd have missed that opportunity. How many times we miss opportunities to do the will of God because we just write it off as something silly? Romans three ten through 12, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Doesn't he tell us to seek first his kingdom? Paul's saying that <laughs> sometimes we fall short of his glory, don't we? I think it's in Romans three twelve. All sin and come short of the glory of God. Oh, 323. They're all gone out of the way. They are all, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Whose heart? You point at yourself. And desperately wicked. Not just wicked, 
desperately wicked. <laughs> study that. Go study that word in the Hebrew. See what that means. Who can know your who can know it? Who knows their heart? Really? I got it all down. I got it all figured out. I know my heart. I got I'm in charge of my own heart. Anybody? Any volunteers want to stick your hand up in the air? Nope. Because we don't. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't know our heart. It's desperately wicked. That's what the Word of God says. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. Master, which, of, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. I got that one, God. Think about that rich young ruler. Oh, I got, got, yeah, I got that one. Yep, I got that one. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Simple enough, right? Oh, yeah, I love my neighbor. Matthew five forty three to 48. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. He doesn't say who said that, but obviously it wasn't from God, right? Somebody just said that. But I say to you, love your enemies. We could just camp there for a while. We could just camp right there and just think about that one for a minute. Love your enemies. No qualifiers, nothing. Just love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. In our flesh, we're like, no, I'm not. Somebody else, not me. See? And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He just keeps getting deeper and deeper here. Man, we're up in the deep weeds now. I'm supposed to do all that? He just said, love your neighbor as yourself. doesn't say what your neighbor is. Your neighbor could be that guy that's just been giving you all kinds of grief every day since the day you were born. That's your neighbor. You know, one guy said, Jesus, who is, your, who is my neighbor? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question, he said. For he maketh, let's see that ye may be the children of the Father which is in heaven. Do all that stuff so that you can be the children of the Father which is in heaven. You want to be a child of God? You've got to do all that stuff I just read. You don't get to qualify it with anything. You don't get to say, yeah, but, to any of that. If you're a child of God, there's no yeah, buts. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And you don't know why that person's like that, do you? You don't know what, you haven't walked in their shoes. You don't know what they're going through or what they just went through today. You don't know anything about them. You just know that they're just rubbing you the wrong way. Maybe they need somebody to just love them with the love of God that surpasses all understanding. Where they just shake their head and go, I don't know why you didn't want to be around me. Well, you know, God just wants me to love you. I'm a child of God. i got to love you. I don't have a choice. Not me loving you. It's Him loving you through me. Because the rain falls on the just and the unjust, doesn't it? For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? I don't want to be called a publican. <laughs> that was like a, a bad word in the Bible, wasn't it? To the Jewish religious people. Look at him hanging around them publicans. Not Republicans, publicans. <laughs> and if you salute your brethren only, what what do you more than others? Not even do not even the publicans salute their own brothers? So don't 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 hold yourself up. Don't don't be so prideful in thinking you're doing something. Because you just well, I love my brothers, my sisters, in the church. I don't know about them out there. Well, aren't they your brothers and sisters? Aren't we all the same human family? Didn't he create them in his image? Just like he created you in his image? 
Be ye therefore perfect as your heavenly, your Father in, which is in heaven is perfect. Perfect is all that stuff I just read before that. If you need a definition. And this is not a suggestion that Jesus made. It's a command. We're commanded. It's His will. He's the King of the kingdom. <laughs> it's His will. Why did he, he didn't write this in vain, did He? Absolutely not. 1 John 4, 17-21 Herein is a, our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You could actually flip that around and say, because he first loved us, we love him. Because it started with him loving us first. He loved us enough to send his own son. He loved us enough to robe himself in flesh. He loved us enough to allow himself as Jesus to be beaten within an inch of his life and to go through the things that he went through for us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his own brother and that word brother there in the Greek means humanity or fellow man, whom he hath seen, how can you love God whom you hath not seen? Those people outside this building need us to love them. They desperately need us to love them. That's the will of God. He's the king. It's his kingdom. We're his servants. And the will of God is for us to do these things. Galatians 5, 16-21 says, And this I say, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So being led by the Spirit is not something automatic, is it? No. You have to be submit your will to the will of the Spirit and let the Spirit lead you. So the implication there is that it says that you not you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say there's no lust of the flesh. It just says you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that that's still there. It's still there. That's where that's the one that's where the enemy works right there, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, right? And it goes on and says, The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, capital S, and the Spirit, capital S, against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So you've got to decide who's running your life. The Spirit or your flesh? That's what I'm reading. Okay? Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. We don't ever have strife in any of our churches, do we? <laughs> Lord have mercy seditions, heresies, envyings we don't have any of that either no envy going on in here we're all perfect glory to God, hallelujah murderers, drunkenness, revelings and such like he doesn't even finish the list he just says and such like fill in the blanks whatever, you know of the which I tell you before as I have told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom Wow. Wow. Romans seven fourteen through 25. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. That which I do, that which I do, I allow not. For, that, for what I would, that do I... Uh, this is hard to read. For what I do, for what I would, that do, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Y'all get it. Yet then I do that which I would not. I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. That's sin nature, right? For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I want to. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? For to will is present with me. 
But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, would do I, the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law or a norm or a rule of life that when I would do good, evil is present with me. How long is evil going to be present with us? Until Jesus comes. Until Jesus comes. Until we're out of here. It's not going away, folks. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. We all do. I want to do the will of God. With everything in me, I want to do the will of God. With everything in me, I want to please Him. Not men. I want to please Him. I want to please my Father. He's my Father. He loves me. Unconditionally. A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. If we find ourselves resisting and pushing back against the will of God in this last hour that we're living in, it's going to get hairy, folks. It's going to get rough. They're already infiltrating Catholic churches with FBI agents and making them pretend to be interested in being Catholic, but all they're doing is watching what's going on. That's in the news. You haven't read that? That's in the news. (laughs) They're doing that in Catholic churches. And it's if you're not if you're not paying attention to what's going on there. There's, there's a move afoot to come after Christians because we're the ones. We don't put up with this stuff. We don't, it's not in the book. God made man in his image. Male and female created he them. Period. And that's going to be considered hate speech for too long. And they could, could just well come in here and take that man in handcuffs and take him to jail for hate speech. And shut this building down. Say, no more church in that building. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Don't, that, you, yeah. You better know that you have a relationship with God. You better know that you're, you can survive serving God outside of this building. Because pretty soon then they're going to come after you at your house. And they're going to find out what you'll compromise your walk with God for when the food runs out and you're starving. We'll give you food. You just We just don't want you to have church anymore. What would you be willing to sacrifice? That's what the enemy... As soon as you say okay, they know they got you. You just compromised. That's between you and God. God. Um, Acts twenty seventeen through twenty four. I'm going to read it in New King James. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to, for the elders of the church. And when he had come to him, he said to them, "You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility." with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. They're plotting, folks. (laughs) There's nothing new under the sun. The Jews were plotting to get Jesus. The Jews were plotting to get Peter. They put him in prison. He got out. The Jews were plotting. They're plotting now. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it, it to you and taught it publicly from house to house. He wasn't afraid. He went publicly from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. In other words, he was going, he was being compelled by the Spirit, by something higher than himself, the will of the Holy Ghost. He was being compelled by the Spirit, bound in the Spirit, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. What are you going to do when God tells you to go do something, go somewhere and do something and say something to somebody, and it's the mayor of the city or something like that, and you're going, hey, if I go up there and say that, they're going to think I'm nuts. 
Are you going to do it? If I go up there and say that, they're going to arrest me. Are you going to do it? Because he said here, he didn't know what was going to happen to him, but he knew he was being compelled by the Holy Ghost to go anyway. So what did he do? He went, didn't he? Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that the chains of tribulations await me. <laughs> so he knew chains were awaiting him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's go. But none of these things move me, Paul said. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. That's where we get hung up, folks, right there. We think our life is so precious and so dear to ourselves that there's no way, God, I, you're going to have to send somebody else. You might not say it out loud, but you'd be thinking it. And God knew their thoughts. <laughs> Better read your New Testament. Jesus knew their thoughts. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now. So that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus wasn't Paul's ministry. It was God's ministry that he gave Paul. Paul knew where all, everything he did came from. He was acknowledging, he was giving all the glory to God for whatever ministry he had to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was willing to go to death if it need be. And he did. 1 John 5, 13-15. I may know that God answers prayer. It's important how we pray. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the, on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, not just ask anything. It's got to be according to His will. He heareth us. So if we're asking for things that aren't according to His will, does that mean He doesn't hear us? I don't know. You decide. You figure that out. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask according to His will, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. And this goes back to that, that scripture that we read that said we have this infirmity. That we don't know what to pray for as we ought to. Right? Doesn't the Bible say that, that we should not concern ourselves with what we are going to be clothed with or what we're going to be eating or where we're going to be living or any of that kind of stuff. Doesn't it say that? Doesn't it say that even the He knows that all the hairs on your head are numbered, and He knows that, that when a sparrow falls to the ground, and aren't you aren't you much more important than some sparrow? That's His precious creation. So, isn't that? almost insulting to God when we pray prayers like, Oh God, take care of this. Oh God, we give Him our little laundry list of me needs. Needs-based prayers, if you want to call it that. Didn't, didn't He say He'd take care of all that? So why are we praying for it? We shouldn't be praying for that. So what we should be praying is what I'll call kingdom-based prayers. That's where it gets into, okay, God, what do you want me to pray about today? Maybe we shouldn't enter into our prayer. This is if you, Whatever you do, you do. But maybe we should not enter into our prayer right away with, okay, God, I'm here. Get ready. Get your pencil and paper ready. Because i got a long one today. 
Don't you think he knows that? He know, doesn't the Bible say that he knows what we have need of? He knows what you have need of. You don't have to ask. He giveth liberally and upbraideth not. That's what my Bible says. So God, what do you want me to pray about? What need is what what is in what's in your craw today, God, if I can say it that way? What needs what do you need me to intercede and travail for today, God? What? And then you wait for him to tell you. And don't you know he will? And that scripture says that he the, the spirit will help us with groanings that cannot be uttered. He'll help you to pray. Kingdom prayers. There's 50 plus thousand people in this city. That's not counting on Alaska and Holman. And Trimplo. And West Salem. And all the ones in Sparta. And everywhere in between. Bangor. Lord, what, what breaks your heart? What's breaking your heart right now, God? What, what do you need me to pray for? You're going to take care of all this other stuff? What was the, 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 general, the superintendent of Europe for a while? They both retired. Rodenbush. I'll never forget Brother Don when, when he was around. He, he shared a, a little message that Sister Rodenbush taught at the School of Missions. She was talking about all this stuff, and I may have told this in here before, going on with her kids going back to the States to go to Bible college. And she was real concerned about her kids because even back then it was like, oh, my gosh, it's so wicked in the United States. I don't know if they're going to make it. She was just fussing and fretting, and God said, stop it. I'm paraphrasing what she said. Stop it. Said God said to her, if you'll pray for the things that I care about, I'll take care of the things you care about. And she said from that moment on, she stopped fussing and fretting over her kids and said, okay, God. And she started praying for Europe. And she started praying for the things that God wanted her to pray for. And don't you know that her kids went back to the States and God kept them? And when I hear something like that, that just lets me know when he says, don't be, don't be careful for nothing and everything with prayer and supplication that your request be made known unto God. Cast it. Give them to God. Cast your cares. I care about those kids. Okay, cast it. He can handle it. Doesn't mean they're not going to go through stuff. Doesn't mean they're not going to be tempted. It doesn't mean that they're not going to just maybe fudge a little bit because we all have to make our own decisions. Ultimately, if I'm going to have a relationship with God or not, I can't live off everybody else in my family's relationship. I've got to have my own. And they've got to have their own. And they're going to struggle just like you did. First couple of years in church, I struggled a lot. But I didn't stop. I didn't let that stop me. I got, in, I got discouraged sometimes, but God gave me a, a lovely wife to help me to be encouraged. My helpmate. And God sent people in my life to tell me, just keep going. Just keep going. Praise God. Let's all stand. Somebody once said, submission begins where agreement ends. And I felt to, it wasn't me that said it, some other preacher said it. And I felt to expand it a little bit, so this is what my version of it is. Submission to God's will and authority in in and over our lives begins where agreement with His sovereign will and plans ends. We need to be praying, folks. God, what's your will? Whatever it is, just tell me. And I'm just going to make reference to me coming up here. I, I was praying that. We were, we were doing a 21-day fast, a Daniel fast, and I was serious. I wanted to know. And I was, ta- I was taking every waking, every spare moment at work that I could, walking that seven-story parking garage up and down, up and down, praying. And the Lord spoke to me in that parking garage on the 21st day of my fast. And said, you will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. Okay. Devil immediately tried to come and say, ah, that's silly. I said, sorry, too late, devil. I done heard it. 
Get out of here, you liar. And from that moment on, in my mind, I started moving here. It, did, it took months for us to get here, but in my mind, I started moving here. And I'm here. And I'm not going anywhere. The Lord made sure I wouldn't. He had me buy a house. <laughs> so for my family, that kind of locked in. It's like, okay, well, I guess he is up there for a while. Hallelujah. But I am right smack dab square in the middle of the will of God right now. With all the struggles and all the trials and all the difficulties that we've gone through up here, financially and otherwise, God's always taking care of us. You know, I've never lost this. So I know God's taking care of me. He never, he never sees the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. He is taking care of me. Maybe a little too much. Some of this is me. I can't, I can't give God credit for that. Hallelujah. That's my flesh. They put donuts out. You know, the boss buys donuts. If the, if the boss buys donuts, you know you got to eat some. <laughs> Don't want to insult the boss. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day, for your goodness, mercy, and grace. Father, thank you for speaking to your people today. Thank you for giving us your good word. Thank you for speaking Rhema and Logos to us tonight. Thank you, Father. For speaking to everyone, Lord, those that are online, Lord, I don't know who I was talking to tonight, but God, you do. And so, Lord, every word that was spoken, somebody received something in this place. Every person received something in this place, Lord, that they would take it with them. Lord, don't let the devil take it away from them when they walk out the door. Let them dwell on it, Lord. Let them hang on to that thing. Let them study it out. Let that, let it become real to them. Let it become revelation to them as they study it out. Father, we thank you for each and every one tonight, Lord, that you would go with us, minister to us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.